Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Andy Mitz. Tonight I'm joined by two of the guys over there at Rock Chalk Talk, Steve Fetch and Mike Plank. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Mike? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> so, a little bit different than what we normally do. Uh, normally I kind of do all the intro and stuff and then we get to the guests. I figured there's we got a lot to talk about and you know, I didn't really want to spend a bunch of time up front on my own just kind of talking about it. So I, I figured we would just go ahead and jump right in. Got both these guys here. Obviously, there's a lot of big news that happened. Um, you know, we had the the Oklahoma game where Puka just went absolutely crazy. We have a brand new head coach, uh, and we got a nice, fun basketball tournament coming up. So I figured we would just go ahead and jump right into it. I want to start with the Oklahoma game. Um, first of all, that went exactly how you guys were expecting, right? Mike, you're the football guy. It's all you. Yeah, that went exactly how we thought it would, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oklahoma wanted to give up 40 points, and and I mean they they found a way to do that. But uh, I, I mean, somebody forgot to tell Lincoln Riley that uh, David Beatty had already been fired, right? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, <laughs> obviously the big story being Puka Williams just going absolutely insane, rushed for 252 yards, um, had a, had three total touchdowns. He just went went absolutely crazy. I mean, I was expecting him to have a pretty good game, but did anybody see a game like that coming on for him? Well, you know, even with – you're right. Even with how bad Oklahoma's defense has been and, and firing Mike Stoop sure hasn't uh, done the trick. Um, even with all that, no, I, I didn't think that, uh, you know, Puka would have that type of a game. The other thing that kind of impressed me, and I think this was probably more to do with Oklahoma than Kansas, but – uh, the Kansas offensive line seemed to really take control of the game for at least part of the game. Obviously, they couldn't necessarily keep it up for the whole game, but there was a, a pretty big portion, especially of that first half there, where 
it seemed like they were really able to move the Oklahoma defensive linemen uh, off the line and were able to get to the second level pretty well. And that was something that I probably wasn't expecting. Of course, I've seen Oklahoma play, I think, once this year, so I'm not exactly an Oklahoma expert, but definitely did not see that coming. And, and as good as Puka is, didn't really see him racking up quite as many yards as he did. Yeah, I think that's kind of the one thing that's been a little bit underrated. The The offensive line has been playing better of late. And Oklahoma is a really, really bad defensive team. I mean, they they kickstarted Iowa State's offense when Iowa State was barely able to do anything. You know, they've given up tons to to pretty much everybody. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't necessarily too surprised. I was a little bit surprised with how consistent, you know, Kansas was able to pretty much do whatever they wanted on offense um, until they got to the second half there and kind of just wore down. So, yeah, there's not there's ahead. not much to add to that, but. Uh... Um, yeah, the offensive line really did look good. Uh, Fetch had a good point there. Um, and, uh, I mean, I guess Puka Williams probably helped make them look good. Um, but, uh, they, they, I thought they did a good job of, uh, holding on to their blocks at the point of attack and, and, uh, even getting downfield and, and blocking for him downfield a little bit. Some of those stop and goes wouldn't have been possible without guys getting out and, and getting an extra block down the field. So, um, yeah, things just kind of seemed to – even Peyton Bender had a decent game. I mean, he completed uh, over half of these passes and, and didn't throw any interceptions and I guess was just kind of your, your classic game manager. And, and uh, you know, the offense gave the, gave the Jayhawks a chance to win for a change. Yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of one of the most surprising things about it. You know, um, Kansas also was the only one that got any kind of turnovers. I think that is – in line with the way that these two teams are. Oklahoma's defense isn't really known for getting any turnovers. Um, I was surprised, though, that Kansas was able to get two because Oklahoma doesn't usually turn it over very much. Um, you know, it was it was weird that Kansas was in the game for as long as they were. Um, I mean, were there any other takeaways you guys had from that game, though? I mean, anything that this team can build on, um, anything that, you know, obviously everything's going to change after this next week anyway, but... Um, I mean, are, are there any moral victories you guys take out of this or, or, or anything like that? Mike, you want to uh, I mean, oh. No, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I, I was just going to – my only comment, I guess, on that is that, um, you know, a couple of times a year, KU plays somebody close or, or knocks somebody off. And I think I, – I don't know that we can really read much more into it than that. Um I mean, Oklahoma never punted, um, but, I mean, they've been putting up 40 on everybody, so I guess that wasn't a big surprise. Um, but, uh, I mean, I just I just kind of chalk it up to being one of those games where, you know, hey, we actually, you know, played well for a change and and uh, and kind of kind of kept around. I, I don't I don't feel like Kansas ever seriously threatened to win that game, uh, especially after the blocked punt that was returned for the touchdown. But. Um, I, I just kind of chalk it up as as one of those nights where almost everything clicked and and uh, you know it turned out to be a better night than expected. Yeah, as you can tell from the long pause after you asked that question, I don't think there's a, a ton of moral victories other than you know, hey, we finally got a new coach, which is nice. Um, that's about the only thing that I'm taking away from this weekend is how can Les Miles take the pieces that we have and maybe make Kansas uh, maybe not improved record-wise, but improved watching the product on the field-wise next year. And you look at 
what they have in Puka. Obviously, he's a great player. Um, I think Dom Williams is another guy who's going to get some carries. I think Khalil Herbert's a junior, correct? Correct. So you got three pretty good running backs and a coach that definitely likes to run the ball. Now, obviously, we're going to have to wait and see who the offensive coordinator is to figure out exactly what that offense is going to look like. But that right there, I think, is maybe the start of, of an offensive attack that can have some sort of identity Whereas this year's team, to me, didn't really have one. Um, so that's that's the kind of stuff that I was looking for is, is how do things uh, fit in next year versus what can they build on? Because you just don't know what the team's going to look like until you see, one, who the assistants are, and, and two, who they're going to go out and fill that recruiting class with. Yeah, I mean... But- Go ahead, Mike. Those are good points, but isn't um, – and, and I could be wrong. You guys could be right. I thought Herbert was a sophomore. Herbert and Dom Williams were both sophomores, and and uh, Puka obviously is a, a freshman. So we get, what, two more years of Puka. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, the, the offense should be decent next year. We've talked a little bit about it on, on RCT. They're only losing four starters on offense, and it's, uh, it's Alex Fontana, the transfer – starting center, offensive lineman. Uh, Steven Sims is going to be a big loss. Uh, but but the other ones are Jeremiah Booker and Peyton Bender, and both of those guys are replaceable with guys already on the roster. So, um, at least in, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't feel like they're losing a ton, you know, as much of anything on offense. And, and I feel like a competent offensive coordinator combined with Wes Miles should be able to figure that out and, have this team scoring in the thirties next year pretty consistently. Yeah, and, um, and and that's the thing. Like the offense, the only two position groups they're really losing a lot from. Well, I guess really the only one is is wide receiver. They're losing quite a few wide receivers, but that really hasn't been a big production area for them this year. And so it's not like they're losing a lot of production. Peyton Bender's leaving, obviously, but you know we we all feel that they probably had a better option on the roster anyway that Beatty just never wanted to go to um you know and and of course we have no idea who Miles is going to bring in or who his offensive coordinator is going to want to target like i think that's the one position where if they decided to bring in another junior college transfer like i wouldn't mind that because that's a type of leadership position that you really need to have a guy that really knows what he's doing to run the rest of the offense i'd be okay with that type of thing and then maybe he can try to target another quarterback next year that that comes out of high school or something like that but you know I mean basically the only offensive group we're losing from is the wide receivers so we have a huge a good stable of running backs most of the offensive line is coming back and they've started to make some real good strides and and I do agree if we get a competent offensive coach in here you know that that unit could perform a lot better than they have this year which could get us set up for some positive results I don't know how positive but at least some some positive results going into next year obviously the big question in the room is, what's the defense going to do? They're losing tons of players after this year. Um, you know, I, I guess we, we can kind of jump into, obviously, the, the the big elephant in the room now in Les Miles being the head coach of Kansas. Do you think there's anything that he can do to help defensively with who we have coming back? Or is a lot of that going to depend on who we can get in terms of recruiting class, you know, filling out the the last 14 spots we have on that recruiting class? I mean, they do have two solid pieces in Mike Lee and Corian Harris, but those guys are both in the secondary. Uh, they're going to have to replace the entire starting defensive line and both starting linebackers right now. Kansas runs a 4-2-5 defense for the most part. 
Um, so they're losing their entire front six, and um, they, they only return, I think, four starters. Uh, but one of those guys is the best recruit in, in the history of recruiting rankings. So over the last 20 years, he's, you know, Corey on Harris is a top 100 guy. But uh, so they have a couple of pieces to build around in the secondary, but they're going to have to – they're going to have to find some answers on the defensive line uh, and, and a linebacker for sure. Yeah, so Azar Kamara um, is a guy who hasn't been featured a lot just because there's so much depth in front of him. I think he's got the tools that you would need to, to kind of jump in and be a good he, he guy. Did there, have an impressive, he did have an impressive offer sheet uh, coming out of Juco last year. Yeah, so I mean I think he's he's one piece that they could start to build on. Obviously, he hasn't had enough opportunity yet with how many guys that were so great in front of him. Um, but there's at least some potential there. I'm trying to go down. Kyron Johnson, you know, could develop as a as a linebacker. We I'm trying to look at who else we have. Um, anyone that might, you know, kind of jump in. Bastida has made a few plays this year, but nothing that I would really count on him for. Let me see. Drew Harvey. Um Jay, Jay Deneen might, might step in in his brother's shoes. I, I mean, I think it's a little early to expect a lot from him, but he is a redshirt freshman. So we should uh, – maybe we can get the, the Deneen legacy to continue. Um, but I, I do think it's going to yeah. take a little while for that. So I'm That's just, a possibility. And you did mention an interesting name in Kenny Bastida. He was a three-star kid, I think, um, who had some injury issues in high school. He had offers to Michigan State and a couple other bigger programs. So he had a nice offer sheet too. Um and I don't remember if those offers were just rescinded or if he just kind of. But I, I remember him being a signing day surprise, and that and it was a, it, it was kind of a big deal that we got him. So I mean, he could, he could definitely develop into something there, but it's going to take it's going to take, take development. It's going to take coaching, uh, which is right. something we haven't had for what the last eight years. Right. As much credit as as uh, Clint Bowen had gotten this year for you know the way the defense is playing, I, I mean it's really hard to say that he really did too much coaching wise. You know, we had guys that have been here for that long, finally growing into, I think the roles that they were expected to be. And Clint Bowman essentially didn't get in their way this year. I think last year there was a lot of, they were trying to teach something to some of the newer guys and it got in the way of the entire defense at times this year. They kind of let the, the seniors take over, kind of call the shots and do what they needed to do. I mean, it, it almost seemed like like Clint Bowen was taking a very hands-off approach this year. So I don't know how much credit can go to him, but you bring in a guy that can coach, you know, and unless Miles is known for defense, you have to assume he's going to bring in someone that can actually coach these guys to be the defensive coordinator. I mean, I, I'm excited about what can be done. Obviously, the coverage a little a bear on, on, on the defensive side, but at least now I don't feel like, you know, we're not going to get anything out of the coaching. Like, it doesn't all have to be on guys that have developed in terms of talent wise. Now I actually feel like the coach is going to do something to kind of help this, this team get along. So Fetch, you've been a little quiet for a little while. So I'm going to ask you first, what were your overall impressions from the Les miles press conference? And if, if, if you got an opportunity to listen to Hawk talk or any of the other interviews that he did after that, like what, what's your overall Im- impression of Les miles so far? You know, I, I only watched probably half uh, of the press conference. Uh, I saw a couple of takes on Twitter that he needs to, get back into the swing of of coach speak because it sounded like there were some things he wanted to say and then kind of stopped himself which you know, yeah that was me wanted. I'm okay, the one so, that said that, so. okay. yeah I don't I don't know if he didn't want to be honest or what but uh listen I, I think he's a guy who even taking out his tremendous success he had at LSU he's a guy who 
has won in Big 12 country before. You know, he won at Oklahoma State before that program kind of blew up with all of the the T Boone money. And he's a guy who I think is going to, if nothing else, he's going to get people talking about KU football. He's going to do, maybe the the basement is that he's going to do what David Beatty was expected to do in terms of getting those scholarship numbers up and just be kind of a a stable force, um, getting talent in and not not screwing it up, which is kind of what I I expected David Beatty to do, which didn't exactly work out, but... I really think he's going to be better than that. I mean, I'm not saying Kansas is going to come out and win the Big 12 or anything like that, but he definitely does not sound like a guy who's who's just here to take a paycheck. Uh, definitely sound, doesn't sound like a guy who's just here doing a, a friend and Jeff Long a favor. Um, sounds like he really wants to to coach. He thinks that he can win at Kansas, and, and frankly, I don't I don't really doubt him. I mean, I, I guess I've I've done the whole optimistic thing other than Charlie Weiss with the last uh, probably. 15 seasons of KU football here, but I don't really see any reason to, to doubt Les Miles. I think he's going to come out, and I think Kansas is going to be a, a pretty legitimate program here in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's anything wrong with the guarded optimism. And and to kind of elaborate on the, on the point that I had made about him needing to get back into his coach speak, there was quite a few times where it seemed like he was about to say something, and he's always kind of pushed the edge of what a coach is saying in, in press conferences anyway. Like, a lot of times maybe getting right up to where he's about to say something that he really, really shouldn't be saying either competitively or, you know, just in terms of how a coach is expected to act and, and expected to talk. Um, you know, he, he had honed kind of that, that ability to be really edgy and just be right there for the number of years that he had coached. And it just seemed like he kept wanting to go back to there, but wasn't quite sure where he was getting with the line. Like he just needs to get back into practice of that. So I'm expecting by the time we roll around into media days next year and all that, you know, he's going to, he's, he's going to be back and ready for it. And we're going to see a lot more similar to what we're used to seeing from a Les miles type press conference. Um, but you know, I, I, I do have to agree with you. Like it is, it is definitely encouraging a guy like that coming. You know, he didn't sound like he was just saying all the right things like Charlie Weiss. You got, you got the impression with his opening press conference that he was, you know, he was being real slick about it. He like, he knew exactly how he wanted to portray, portray stuff. You know, he was talking about like, he, he was all full of himself. He knew that he was like the the coolest guy in the room and everything. Les Miles, you, you just got the impression that he just wanted to be there. Like he wanted to be back and working with a football program. He, he had a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, um, compliments for a bunch of other guys. He didn't make it all about himself. He, he deferred to other people a lot. And so he's coming in with the right kind of attitude. He's not, you know, assuming that they're immediately going to get this program turned around and start winning a bunch next year. It was a, look, I know how great this football program can be. You know, I've seen the kind of environment that's here, you know, and, and I've seen that they've been able to be good at times. And so we're going to work back to that and we're going to return Kansas to the type of program that we know that it should be. And those are all the, all the things that you want to hear from a guy that's coming in and is going to try to turn this, this, this program around. So I was definitely very encouraged by that, but before I get too, too much further into it, Mike, did you have anything you wanted to chime in in terms of your overall impressions of, of, of miles? I mean, not really. All you really get at these kind of press conferences is, is uh, you know, a bunch of platitudes, kind of like what you just rattled off. You know, we're going to work to turn it around and Kansas can be great and all this, you know, all all this rhetoric that <laughs> probably everybody gets at every at every college, 
you know, new coach press conference. Um, but um, I do think you guys made a good point about um, about him wanting to be here, and I think that we actually have evidence of that uh, based on his contract primarily. Uh, you know, I kept seeing, um, and again, this is just probably people being stupid on Twitter, but, um, you know, Les Miles isn't coming to Kansas because they're not going to pay a football coach more than they pay Bill Self. And, well, yeah, duh, duh, they're not going to, but, uh, I mean, he's making $2.7 million a year. You know, Bill Self makes twice that, basically. Bill Self makes five. Right. Um, and, 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 uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, including not just random people on Twitter, but including beat writers, including people like Matt Tate and people like that, um, had comments about how surprised they were that it wasn't three, it wasn't four, it wasn't 3.5. It wasn't, you know, one of those higher numbers above three. And, uh, you know, I, I guess K you could have paid him three or 3.5, but, the the reports coming out of you know from Jeff Long and from these other reporters are that um, yeah he he could have taken that but he wanted to take a more reasonable salary in order to bring in more quality assistance and I think that that gives us a glimpse into how serious he is and how much he wants to win here and I I know it's more than we were paying Charlie Weiss but it, it takes away the feeling of you know just, this is just a golden parachute for somebody who's nearing their, you know, nearing their 70s and is just looking for, you know, a little bit more to put into the bank. So uh, that, that's really my only thoughts on on what we've seen so far. Yeah, and, and coming out of the, the Hawk Talk interviews, because I, I went ahead and listened to that as well, you know, they were talking about how, and, and then actually Jeff Long had jumped on and was, and was talking about this, you know, that they had gone into the contract negotiations and they, like, wanted to make sure, you know, that, that everything was ironed out. And essentially, when it when it came down to compensation, the first thing that he asked about was not about himself, but it was about how much he's going to have to fill out a staff. Like he wasn't so worried about how much money he was going to be making. He he knew that that amount would come. It was how much is he going to have to work with to get you know the backbone of a good coaching staff, which is all the assistants. He can't be everywhere. He can't be teaching everybody everything. So getting in a good group of of assistant coaches is what makes a successful coach. And that was like his first concern. And so that that in of itself was a really good sign. The other thing that really struck me listening to that Hot Talk interview was, you know, he was talking about the amount of time he spent inside the actual facilities and looking at the guys, you know, and, and talking with them. He was only there for a few minutes because he didn't want to distract from them trying to prepare for the Texas game, um, you know, and, and but he talked about how you could tell just walking in how much the program at that point was focused on the individual kids, like the, the individual players and helping to make sure that they were developing and actually caring about those guys and about how he was going to continue that tradition. And I, I actually tweeted about it. It's like, you know, the main, the main thing or the main focus that we got out of that is that, you know, he's going to make sure that that, that kind of environment that Beatty created, which is probably like the biggest accomplishment of what Beatty's done in terms of, you know, getting the program to a point where all of these guys felt valued as players in the program. Um, that's going to continue, that that's something that that's important to him. You know, we heard all the normal platitudes that you hear, but I think we also heard a lot of additional things that make me think he's coming at this from the right, from the right frame of mind, that he's not in it just for the paycheck, that he's not in it, you know, just because he wants to make himself look good again. And so we can go out on top. Like he literally thinks that he can bring this program back to a, respectable level, you know, and, and turn this program back into something that people can be proud of. And he, he, you know, while it's, 
he has to have that kind of confidence. And I guess in a, in some way that, 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 that hubris that he thinks he's the one that can do it, you know, he's coming at it from a healthy direction. And so that's very, very encouraging. So any other final thoughts from you guys on, on football or less miles or anything like that? All right. I'm, I'm footballed out. Yep. I don't blame you. All right. So, um, just one final thought on that, you know, and, and it's been thrown out there a bunch. Jeff Long actually said that he, he got it from the marketing department. He wasn't really thinking about it when they were going through the process, but obviously KU is now the only school that has two active coaches in basketball and football that have won a national championship. Not obviously with the school that they're at now, but you know, we are the only school in the nation that has a, a football coach that has won a national championship previously and a basketball coach that's won a national championship. So first of all, you know, I'm assuming you guys agree with me that that's kind of a cool stat, but I'll use that to pivot over to obviously the basketball team. You know, they played two games last week against Vermont and then against Louisiana. And both of those games, I think were a lot closer, especially early than we thought that they really should have been. Um, the, the big hero in both of those games, I think was LeGerald Vick. Uh, I, I want to get your guys thoughts and, and Mike, I will let you go first. Cause I know that you don't typically talk basketball nearly as much, but did you have anything you wanted to throw out in terms of, what you saw from those games, what got you excited or anything like that. I, I'm going to be pretty worthless for the rest of this. I think I didn't even watch the Louisiana game and, and the parts of the Vermont game I saw were, um, you know, the last couple, couple minutes, I guess. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to completely defer to fetch on this one. All right. Well, well, okay. That, that sounds good. And Mike, if you do want to go ahead and drop off, feel free. Um, I'll just go ahead and, and finish up with Fetch, but uh, but yeah, Fetch. So obviously, LeGerald Vick, I think, was the big story coming out of those games. But was there was there anything else, anything specific about his his games or anything else that you want to talk about about that? Well, I I guess just to not to totally uh, pivot away from me here, but um, are you a little worried about Diedrich Lawson and his back to back efforts? Because I I guess I'm not really worried about him in general. I'm just maybe a little bit worried that they're not going to use him correctly uh in the offense it really seems like they're trying to pound the ball into Udo Kazabuki which is fine he's had really good numbers the the last two games and there's nothing nothing bad about Kansas's offensive output the last two games either it's not like they're they're not scoring but I just think that their offense would would hum a lot better and and look a lot better for sure if they maybe had Dieter Glossen in that like point forward role a little bit more versus kind of what he has been doing, which is just kind of standing off to the side and not being terribly involved in the offense as of yet. Well, I don't know that I'm necessarily worried. I mean, I think this was always going to be kind of the the dangerous part about this team, I guess, in kind of the, the double-edged sword way. Um, you know, this team is very dangerous because they have so many guys that can be the main guy for, for any particular game. But that also means, you know, that, guys that we think are going to be the biggest contributors are going to have a stretch of two or three games, maybe where they're just not doing what we expect them to do. You know, it's a little weird that Deidre's having it right off the bat, but I, I mean, I also do think, especially when, you know, LeGerald Vick and Yudoka Azubuke are two, you know, two big pieces of the offense so far, those guys are used to playing with each other. They're probably going to look for each other a lot more than they would look for some of these new guys, you know? And, and I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious just with how hot Vick has been, and how dominant Yudoka is inside, like it makes sense to go to those guys. Lawson, I think, needs to learn 
a little bit more in terms of the best way to insert himself into this offense and make himself a presence there. I think it'll come with time. It's just a matter of we have so many options right now that it's easy for a guy that really shouldn't be getting lost to kind of get lost in how well everyone else is doing. Um, the other thing too, you know, there was a comment made about how, how Dietrich needed to learn that he's not always going to be the guy. I think he's used to always being the guy. Even when he was over at Memphis, he was one of the main centerpieces. Like, you know, there was like two, three guys that they ran everything through and he was a big part of that. And so just with how, how stacked this team is, there's going to be games. There's going to be weeks where he's just not, you know, having to be a huge part of the offense. He needs to find ways to insert himself without disrupting the chemistry. Sure. And I think that that's, I think that that's probably right. I think there's maybe some, some give and take that has to be there on, on both sides where maybe we talked about it. I think it was last podcast where the one thing I was a little bit worried about was if he doesn't get the ball three or four times down the floor, he's just going to get it and try and force up a shot. Um, I think maybe the, the way to get around that is to give him the ball a little bit more and let him be a little bit more of a creator. Um, and then when he does want to shoot, you know, you can live with some of those bad shots. Whereas if he's just getting the ball every third or fourth possession and those possessions feature bad shots, it's a little bit tougher to swallow. Yeah. I mean, and I never really got the impression that he was forcing stuff too much. There was a few times where he ended up doing it, I think, because um, either Vic wasn't on the floor and they didn't really get much going. Like there, There's still quite a few stretches where this offense just doesn't seem to know what it's doing. They're still kind of feeling each other out a little bit, um, which is a little bit concerning, you know, having played three games already at this point and they're still having those problems. But when you have so many different guys that are all trying to come together, you know, and the fact that they've won all three games by double digits, like, or, I'm sorry, except for the first game, they, they should have won that one by a double digits. Um, you know, I mean, they've, they've played some decent teams and played pretty well against them ultimately. You know, we're going to have these growing pains. We knew it was coming. So I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not too concerned. I am a little surprised that certain players haven't come on a little bit stronger, but there's plenty of time for them to get going before we really get in the meat of the schedule. All right. So, so obviously I think, and unless there's any other particular players you wanted to talk about for those, for those two games we had last week, this week, there's a really big, a big set of matchups coming up. Obviously, they they play. They open up the NIT season tip-off against Marquette on Wednesday. Um, they are expected to win that game and then uh, probably face Tennessee, I believe, is who they'll, they'll probably end up facing. Tennessee and Louisville face each other in the other first-round matchup, and then obviously, you know, they will face whoever they, they get matched up with, whether they win or lose. So, um, first of all, are you, like, what are you expecting to see in that game against Marquette? Is there anything in particular that you're worried about, Fetch? Yeah, I think given that Kansas has had some issues giving up open three-point attempts, Marquette is not a a great opponent to see. Obviously, you, you want to see them now versus in, like, the NCAA tournament. But last year they took uh, right around 45% of their attempts uh, from the field were from three, and they were the third-best three-point shooting team in the country. This year they're taking even more of, of their shots from three this year. They haven't really – done it percentage wise, but they've got a couple of really good shooters. Um, and if you're giving up that many attempts, obviously it's a, it's a simple math problem, right? It's 33% on three pointers equals 50% on two pointers. And you don't figure that Kansas is going to allow too many teams to shoot 50% from two. So you're probably going to see a lot of teams that just try to let it fly 
from deep. Uh, Louisiana and Vermont both had some success with that, and now you've got a now you've got a Marquette team that has some guys who who can really shoot the ball. Um, their offense hasn't really taken off so far this year. Uh, really struggled against uh, UMBC in their opener. Uh, didn't score even a point per possession against Indiana, and then barely over a point per possession against Presbyterian, which is ranked under 300 in, in Ken Palm. So it's not like they're really lighting it up, but at the same time, they do have a, a lot of offensive talent. Um, the one guy to watch for is uh, number zero, Marcus Howard. And if this is this is going to come out before the game, right? I'm not I'm yeah. not going to be uh, okay. So <laughs> I might I might look like an idiot, I guess, if if Kansas you know, holds them to zero points. Because generally, I think, in recent memory, Kansas has done better against these kind of, you know, Brady Heslop types who are more, you know, the focal points of an offense. So may, maybe they'll have a little bit of success against Marcus Howard. But he kind of reminds me a lot of Devontae Graham in that he can shoot it from anywhere. Um, he doesn't doesn't have a conscience. I mean, he'll, he'll pull up from, from very deep, just like Graham used to. He can shoot it off the dribble. Um, he can shoot it off the catch. He's really good at moving without the ball as well to get free. So Kansas is going to have to to keep an eye on him for sure. But they've got they've got other shooters as well. Um, so that that's going to be the big thing if they can keep the attempts um, to a to a minimum, um, which hopefully will be under 40% of of Marquette's attempts. But I don't really see that happening. But if they can do that, I think they'll win no problem. Even so, you know Marquette. They're not a very good defensive team, so I think Kansas will be able to score enough to win. But I think it's going to be a little bit tougher than than people are giving it credit for. Yeah, I'm not expecting this to be a cakewalk by any means, but you know, Marquette does shoot 46% of their shots from three, which um, I mean, it seems like a lot, honestly. Um, but but uh, you know, they only make 33.6%, so you know that doesn't even put them in the top half of, of Division One. So they definitely, you know, I, I don't, I'm not expecting them to light it up. And I'm looking at their individual shooters, like the highest individual shooter that shot more than, more than five shots would be Marcus Howard. He's made 12 to 32 for, for 37 and a half percent. So, I mean, they don't have anybody who is phenomenal. I mean, Marcus Howard is, is, is pretty good from three, but I also don't think that they're going to be able to have an, an effort like Vermont had or, or even Louisiana for a while in terms of shooting a ton of threes and, and making so many of them that they stay in the game for a really long time. If Marquette is going to stay in this game, they're going to have to get something going down low. They're going to have to get somebody in foul trouble um, in order to really, I think, stay with the team for that long. So, um, I mean, you know, obviously they are capable of making a few threes, but it really hasn't been their style to continue to, to have just run of threes. Um, of course, knowing our luck, you know, it seems like everybody has their best three three point shooting night against us for whatever reason. So, well, obviously, with you guys being so pessimistic, we're going to win by forty now. So I'm officially oh. not worried. <laughs> awesome, glad we could help you out there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know that there's that much else to say about this game. So let's let's kind of try to jump ahead and and semi preview what is the most likely matchup in Tennessee for the for the championship there. Um, have you had a chance to really catch too much of Tennessee so far this year, Fetch? Um, and, I mean, is, is there anyone in particular that you're worried about there? So I watched them play. Uh, I don't – I think it was their – let me just open up their Ken Palm page. Their third game of the year uh, against Georgia Tech. 
Um, 13 point win, but they didn't really have much trouble against them the whole time. They kind of kept them at an arm's length for the entire game. Uh, what really stood out to me is they're really long and really athletic. I mean, they're, they're one of the few teams I think that can give Kansas problems in, in that area. Um, just in terms of, I don't think that Kansas is going to be able to drive by them at will. I don't know that even like a Diedrich Lawson is going to have a huge advantage size wise against whoever's guarding him. So that's, that's probably going to be a problem. Um, they they do a pretty good job of, of stopping teams from giving up threes or stopping teams from attempting threes, excuse me. And they also do a, a really good job at, at two point defense. So, uh, it's going to be one of those things where I, I don't think easy looks are going to be easy to come by. Um, and then obviously, you know, you've got Rick Barnes who's familiar with Bill Self. So there's probably maybe a little bit of an advantage on that point where he knows how to maybe stop those uh, set plays that Bill Self loves to use in, in terms of the out of after timeouts and, and out of bounds plays. Um, offensively, they're, they're not a ton uh, to write home about. Um, actually, Grant Williams is leading the Ken Palm Player of the Year rankings right now, but um, other than him, you know, they're not a, a great offensive team. They don't take a lot of threes either, which is really nice. Um, I'll take Kansas, even if as good as uh, Tennessee is defensively, I'll take Kansas against basically anybody in a, a two-point contest. Um, so that's nice to see. But they're definitely going to be one of the few teams that can match up uh, with Kansas in terms of uh, length and athleticism. And, and they have some depth as well, although not as much as Kansas does. So Definitely um, am rooting for them to beat Louisville because I do want to see that matchup. Um, and, and maybe it's a maybe it's a preview of uh, like an Elite Eight or even beyond matchup because I think Tennessee is one of the more underrated teams out there. Yeah, I do think that Tennessee is, is going to be pretty good this year. Um, I do think, though, I mean, it, it's going to be important for, for Diedrich Lawson to get going in that game just because we are going to need that presence down low. Udoka is going to be, I think, very effective in this game. Um, but – it's going to take, I think, at least at least three guys down low being effective and, and kind of rotating out there. Um, I, I think there's going to be another big opportunity for for McCormick. Um, you know, he had that he had that pretty big game against Louisiana, I believe it was. I think I'm having the right game there, uh, where he came in and was kind of the only effective big guy for at least the first half. Um, so I mean, you know, it's it's nice to kind of see that we have that available. And I do think that that, that that Tennessee game is going to be one where it's going to be really important to get those guys going down low, especially really early. Um, Three-point shooting will kind of be a, a big advantage to us in that one, especially if Vic is just on it again. But um, we are going to need to stop them down low, so we're going to need to get the, the guys down low going and trying to get fouls on, on their big guys there as well. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. I actually work with someone who's a really big Tennessee fan, so I'm waiting to, to be able to rub that in their face when we all get back from the holiday, you know, if Kansas just completely destroys them. Not that I'm expecting it to happen, but um, I will take any kind of win in that game. So, Any any other thoughts about that game, Fetch? Or or Mike, do you want to chime in randomly here? <laughs> no, my, my random chime-ins are done, I think. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think it's going to be, you know, one other thing, I guess, just to, to keep in mind is, you know, Grant Williams uh, and Dietrich Lawson are probably going to be matched up with each other for a big part of that game. And that's going to be a, a pretty fun matchup because I think Grant Williams is a little bit better defender than people give him credit for. And I know Dietrich Lawson is a better defender than people give him credit for. So it might come down to whose supporting cast can do better. And, and you've got to like Kansas in that, but it's one of those things where you, you just never know. 
Yeah, I would say that Kansas has a larger supporting cast. Um, so there's a, a better chance that at least someone gets going well enough. But that also means we could be cycling through ineffective guys. Um, at, at the very least, though, the fact that we are so so deep will allow us to cycle through and, you know, share the fouls and all that fun stuff. So my, my biggest worry there is that we're going to have, you know, the one or two guys that are going off and are going to get fouls early. And then we have to put in, you know, some some ineffective guys. And that's kind of going to. You know, there's always that, that that possibility when you have so many guys that you could potentially play is that you're going to waste minutes on guys that just don't have it that particular night. But, um, you know, I, I, I trust Bill Self to be confident enough and to be able to quickly recognize who is having a good day and who's not so we can minimize, you know, the bad minutes that we get. Um, you know, I, I don't know how good Tennessee is at forcing fouls, though. Like, that's my main concern is that we run up against a team that's really good at at getting the foul line and we lose a bunch of key guys really, really quickly. That kind of happened to us in these last two games. And, you know, luckily we were just more talented and able to overcome it. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm concerned that maybe that would happen in either this game against Marquette or against Tennessee. So, all right, one final, final topic before we get to the very end here, you know, given all the craziness that's already happened inside of college basketball this year, are there any games other than I think that Villanova game that have kind of lost their their uh, I guess um, you know their their luster a little bit like ones that you're not nearly as excited about as you were at 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 the beginning of the year Villanova losing twice already I think makes that kind of the prime candidate for this but were there any other games that kind of jumped out to you Yeah I think Probably the West Virginia games, you know, they're certainly the program that would be closest to what you would call a rival, I think, given that they played in two of the last three, two of the last three, I think, right? Big 12 title games. I think so. Um, yeah. That That's probably, you know, they're still going to be good games with a lot of intensity and all that stuff, but West Virginia really has not looked good so far. Buffalo is a good team. So I, even though it was at home, I don't really ding them too much for losing that one, but losing to Western Kentucky is not a good look and, and barely beating St. Joseph's is not a good look either. So they, they have a pretty young team, so maybe they can write the ship a little bit and they're, they're blending in uh, a lot of new faces. So you never know what it's going to look like uh, for their first matchup. But um, that one is, is one that I was pretty hyped up for thinking that, you know, if, if K-State falters, maybe it's, it's a big 12 title decider, but as of right now, it looks like it, it's going to be, you know, West Virginia is going to be more of like a, a bubble team, which is too bad. I mean, I, I like playing them when they're good. So hopefully they pull it together a little bit. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately it looks like the big 12 as a whole is probably going to be down this year if the early results are any kind of indication. Yeah, we do have still quite a few undefeated teams in like Texas and Iowa State, and um, but even the ones that are undefeated aren't have haven't really been looking too good. The only exception I think is Iowa State, in that you know they've they've been actually playing decently well, missing their top three guys. Wigginton has been out, you know, in a boot for a while. Um, the other two, their names are escaping me, but. You know they they have been down quite a bit and they're still playing at a at a decently high level. Um, they obviously need to get guys back quickly in order to really be able to push on anything. But um, you know I, I the the matchups and we actually talked about this on the last podcast. The you know the matchups that I was expecting to be difficult for us this year 
don't really look like they're going to be nearly as difficult as we thought they were. And there's a few teams that I think will kind of surprise. Um, you know, Texas has the ability to surprise, I think, this year. I'm not sure that they actually will. Um, you know, just as, as long as Smart's there, I'm just not really sure how well they're actually going to be able to to compete in the Big 12. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see um, anything, anything you really want to uh, amend in terms of how we thought the conference was going to go this year, Fetch? Well, I, I think I, I guess I don't remember exactly where I ranked Iowa State. I think I had them. I want to say you had them like fourth fifth. or fifth. Yeah, but I may have I may have underrated them a little bit. They're looking pretty good um, so far this year, and, and like you said, they've got a couple of guys who are out. They don't really have a very tough non-conference schedule this year. We'll see how they do uh, against Arizona tonight, I believe. Um, and then they play at Iowa. Those are kind of their their two tough games uh, in the non-conference schedule. They don't really – so we, we won't really know, I don't think, a ton about them until Big 12 play. But they're looking good. They've got a lot of talent. They've got kind of the same uh, type of deal as Tennessee where they got a lot of long athletes. It's just their long athletes are better on offense, whereas Tennessee's are better on defense. So they're they're going to be one of those things where it's, it's going to be tough for Kansas to – match up with them the other way and maybe Kansas will have some issues. Um, even though Iowa State doesn't have a, a ton of good defenders, you know, Kansas might have some issues with that length, just kind of getting favorable matchups on the other end of the floor. Uh, so they're probably going to be an interesting matchup. And uh, it's just, it's just tough to know. Cause you're right. I mean, the big 12's been a little bit of a mess so far this year with no one really looking that great. So maybe Iowa State does jump all the way up to being the, the third or even second best team in the league, but maybe Big 12 play kind of catches up to them a little bit and they, they stay in the middle of the pack. It's just way too early uh, to tell right now, I think. Yeah, well, and I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, we, we may be overreacting a little bit to some of these early results. Um, it seems like we always do for at least one or two teams in one of the big conferences every single year where it's just like, oh, you can write them off because, you know, they lost to this particular team and maybe there's some things going on that we just hadn't, you know, we weren't able to see, but... I mean, I, I, I'm not ready yet to give up the crown for the Big 12 in terms of, you know, who the best conference is. Um, but it, it, this is definitely, I think, the, the closest that we've ever gotten to be able to say that, you know, maybe, maybe the Big 12 isn't the best conference this year. Um, the early returns haven't necessarily been too great, but there obviously is still plenty of time for them to kind of, um, to, to kind of pick it up. So. All right. Well, well other... guys, if it if it helps, uh, if it helps, Iowa State did beat Missouri a week or two ago. So uh, there you go. Take that for whatever it's worth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Actually, I uh, I had tried to talk about that a little bit with uh, C Dot when I had him on on the last episode, and he um I think he wanted to anger some Iowa State fans when he basically said that you know there's nothing special about their gym up there. Um, but, but I mean, but I mean, really, um, you know, there's, there's not a lot to be said for Missouri. They're, they're going to be terrible this year. So it's not really a big surprise. Like, I don't think you can really call that a big accomplishment. Um, I mean, it was a little bit impressive that, that, that they did it without so many of their top scorers, but you know, with, with how bad yeah, Missouri the, fans think they're going to be this year, I don't know. That Missouri is a, Missouri is, a, you know, quote unquote, a P5 team, and yeah, while they're probably middle to lower end of the SEC, I mean, you know, Iowa State still, at least by the final score, I don't know, I didn't watch the game, but you know, they beat them by double digits and apparently took care of business at home, and maybe that's how the Big 12 is going to be this year. 
Um, I mean, home to, home courts are always important in the Big 12. Um, the reason why Kansas has 14 straight is because they go out and win on the road, and nobody else does. Uh, so it, that's probably what we're looking at again. I mean, uh, I will tell you though, <laughs> Missouri is a Power Five school in basketball the way that Rutgers is a Power Five school in in football. So, <laughs> are um, they really that bad this year in basketball? Are. are they really that bad? They are. They were already going to be fairly fairly bad. And then they went ahead and lost uh, Porter to an injury. So, John Jonte Porter. So, it's looking like they're not going to have a very good year at all. I would not be surprised to see them outside the top 100 in Ken Baum before the year's over. Um, you know, they, they could drop pretty quick. So, especially if, if the SEC is a much better conference like everybody seems to think that they are this year. So, Yeah, well, we'll see. I guess, you know, Kentucky's not very good. So, Yeah. <laughs> but but Duke, but Duke, you know, is is the best team in the millennium for beating them by forty or whatever. So yeah, yeah, we uh, I got into that with Cedar a little bit too. You know that uh, I mean, obviously Duke is going to be a good team this year. I think everybody's kind of overreacting a little bit. Uh, I don't think Cedar agreed with that, but um, you know, we'll have to see when we get there how how they match up. I am expecting to see Duke and Kansas matching up in the. Uh, or in the the NCAA tournament this year, I'm actually kind of hoping it's not in the championship game, just because I would like to, you know, be able to enjoy a game after that. But that we'll have to see. So, all right. Um, any any other final thoughts on 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 the basketball team before we get out here for tonight, guys? I will I will take that as a no. Fetch. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to you now. We actually had talked about this before. We needed to revive this segment, so it is time for your random sports minute. Yeah, so I well for the third time in a row I'm sticking with football, but I'm I'm dipping down. Uh, the FCS just announced uh, their playoff bracket. Um, as expected, North Dakota State is the number one seed, but unlike in years past when they got basically a, a free ride to the championship game, they actually probably have the tougher uh, side of the bracket this time. Um, they'll have to play either Incarnate Word or Montana State in the second round, which is uh, pretty easy. I mean, both those teams suck. But uh, then they're either going to play probably James Madison, who um, won the national championship two years ago, or Colgate, which is the best defense in the country. Now, Colgate is in the Patriot League, which is not a great conference, um, but still they're they're giving up something like three yards a play or something like that. So definitely not going to be a, an easy matchup. Um, and then they'll either play five seed South Dakota State, who has played NDSU probably as tough as anyone, um, or four seed Kennesaw State, uh, which runs a triple option. And, and their head coach, Brian Bohannon, is a guy who, uh, if Les Miles didn't work out, was a guy who I thought Kansas maybe should have taken a look at. Um, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, what a world where you can have more than you know four teams in a playoff bracket and actually get every. Um, you know, every conference champion in there. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, Also of note, uh, just, just real quick here. uh, Another team to watch, I think probably is succeed UC Davis uh, led by a former uh, somewhat friend of KU, Dan Hawkins, uh, who you'll remember as a Colorado coach who KU probably got fired um, with that big comeback in the Turner Gill era. So he's back and, and much like Turner Gill, I think he's probably found his correct level to be a head coach at. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so you said that incarnate word is in the, 
is in the playoffs, right? Now, they, if they advance, correct. does that like mess up the games they have scheduled with Iowa State for next, for December 1st? So as far as I know, and I just read this today, it sounds like Iowa State has another opponent lined up if that doesn't work. Um, That's I can't hilarious. Remember who, yeah, I can't remember who it was now. Um, but they don't they don't need that to get like any kind of – I mean, they're ball eligible, right? I believe that they're – I want to say that they're 5-5 five and five right now. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Are they? So maybe that would be why they would need to – because otherwise I can't imagine why they would even need to do that if um, Incarnate Word wins. But I'm taking a look right now at what their schedule I think, is. Or... I think it's going to be all for naught because Montana State, they're not good, but uh, they are better than uh, Incarnate Word, and they do get to host, and – so I think they're probably going to win. But um, my my pick, just so we can come back and, and laugh at me, um, I think my pick is going to be a little NDSU versus Eastern Washington, who's the three seed. Uh, they have probably the best offense in the country. Um, that's probably going to be your championship um, matchup. Yeah, you can see the uh, you can see the full bracket. I just googled FCS bracket. There's you know 32 teams. I don't think you want me to. Yeah, there's a lot. I think so. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I I think that North North Dakota State is kind of o- almost a shoe in. Honestly, I mean, they're a lot better than a lot of these other teams that are in here, and they never yeah. seem to have yeah, a problem getting there. So yeah, um, they're really good. And yeah, looking at it. I mean, I could see a team. I've been hearing a lot of good things about like a UC Davis. I could see them kind of jumping through and and surprising some people. I'm not expecting anybody to come from this first round though and make it all the way there. So yeah, no. Um, if 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 you're gonna beat um, if you're gonna be an NDSU, you got to have a team that doesn't get murdered up front because their their offensive line, their defensive line is good too, but their offensive line just has absolute maulers up and down the line, and and they're huge and they do a really good job of. Uh, opening holes there, you know, their skill position guys are, are fine, but um, they're probably not as good as even some of these other teams in that didn't even get uh, seeds, you know, but it's just their offensive line opens up these massive holes for their running backs and uh, gives their quarterback just all day to throw. And you're going to have to, um, you know, you're just going to have to combat that. And that's, that's kind of why I like, um, you know, maybe Kennesaw state um, as a, maybe a dark horse, um, controlling the line of scrimmage, uh, controlling the ball a little bit, uh, tiring out that defense, um, you know, not letting the offense on the field for too much, uh, kind of controlling time of possession, which every football stat person tells you that time of possession is a little bit uh, of an overrated stat. It's kind of like, you know, points per game in basketball where um, possessions are what matters. But uh, for me, if, if you're an underdog and you can limit the amount of possessions, I think, you know, you probably want to do that whenever necessary. So, um, if you're, uh, I don't know if there's any, any odds out there or anything. I can't imagine that there are, but, uh, Kennesaw state might be a, a little bit of a dark horse pick. Yeah. So, so yeah, I went ahead and, and, uh, looked and, and Iowa state is actually six and four right now. So they, they have already made it to bowl eligibility. Um, but I do think they want to try to get that seventh win just so they're not, you know, like last in line. Um, let's see. And yeah, I was looking in and right. So because South, the, the South Dakota State game got canceled, so they grabbed Incarnate Word to go ahead and fill it. And if Incarnate Word cannot do it, let's see. looks like they've reached out to a couple different schools, and they're trying to find one that will actually commit to it. Um, I'm assuming that they probably won't announce it unless 
incarnate word wins. Like there's no reason to put another name out there if, if, if they don't actually need it, but yeah, that's um, true. It would be kind of interesting to have, you know, that game rescheduled twice with two different opponents. So, um, but yeah, I, I do, I do agree. There's, there must be something in the water up there though, up in North Dakota. I mean, having all the, you know, I guess the, the non super visible sports that are doing really, really well up there. What is it about that place up there, Fetch? Well, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, for them specifically, it, it's a thing where there's not a, a ton of other um, schools up there to recruit against. You know, you got Minnesota, who's good, and you got Wisconsin, who's good. But you can kind of, you know, have the Dakotas almost to yourself. And, and the Minnesota kids who aren't going to Minnesota, you can kind of have that nice little base. And, and then you can kind of get kids who – you know, for grades reasons or for, uh, you know, criminal transgressions reasons who, you know, maybe are good enough to play FBS football, but you take a chance on them at the FCS level and, and they kind of built up their program by doing that. And uh, you combine that and you got a, a pretty good recipe to win a lot of FCS games. So, which, which by the way, you know, not to bring this full circle here, but when, uh, when Charlie Weiss got fired, there were a lot of people calling for Craig Bowl who, kind of built the, the NDSU program at the FCS level anyway to be the guy uh, at Kansas. And I kind of made the point that, you know, what he did at NDSU isn't very uh, replicable at a place like Kansas because you've got tons more schools to recruit against. You're not going to be able to sneak those kids who don't really have the grades in, um, who also have, you know, like I said, done some <laughs> extra legal things. You're not going to be able to sneak those kids in. Uh, either, and I think you've kind of see it, seen it uh, at Wyoming, where he hasn't really been able to get it going in the same way because of that. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, that'll do it for tonight. Thank you guys for uh, joining me. Any any final thoughts from either of you before we get out here? Go Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, we are getting ready to sign off now, so we can go watch the Chiefs game. Fetch, I'm sorry about your uh, your Minnesota of- Vikings last night. A lot of hype for watching two teams that aren't going to make the Super Bowl. Oh, really? Really? No, we're watching a uh, Super Bowl preview. So, yeah, no, I was really, I was really rooting for the Vikings last night. I needed Thielen to go off for my fantasy football team, the one that I actually can. Yeah, no, on. they, uh, their line just, just is not good enough. My, my curse is that I only cheer for teams with terrible offensive lines. Yeah, you got to do something about that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Time to become right. a K State fan, bitch. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. No, no. <laughs> Besides, their offensive line is um, trending down. So if he were to jump on the bandwagon, they would really fall apart then. I know. That's what we need. Oh, oh okay. okay. <laughs> that's right. Completely selfish reasoning for that. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for, for joining me tonight. And that'll do it for today's episode. I know that I had said uh, at the beginning that we were just doing it all in one shot, but to be completely honest, I uh, – I kind of forgot to do the wrap-up when I had Fetch and Mike on the phone. So um, just to, to kind of give us a quick wrap-up of what's happening, we do have, obviously, the Marquette game is coming up on Wednesday. Volleyball is also in action against Iowa State on Wednesday at 6.30, uh, so right around the exact same time that, that uh, KU will be in action, the, the men's basketball. The women are also playing basketball against George Mason. That will be at home at Allen Fieldhouse, so if you're not – you know, if you're not uh, planning on being in attendance there, go ahead and tune into the game. Um, you know, or you can even tune into the game uh, via radio or something like that while you are attending the women, uh, the women's game. They they also need your guys' support. So if you have the ability, 
um, and are inclined to go, definitely go ahead and do that. You can also be flipping back and forth. The the Jayhawk Network will have that game on, um, and obviously the men's basketball game is over on ESPN too. So you, you have the opportunity to do both of those. Friday, um, you know, obviously as we talked about, men's men's basketball again is playing um, against one of their opponents. It's either going to be Louisville or Tennessee, depending on the results from Wednesday. Football team is playing against Texas. That'll be at 11 a.m. on Fox Sports One. Uh, I we will be doing a preview of that game. Uh, I, that will probably come out actually on Thanksgiving morning. So be be paying attention to that. You can listen to it Friday, early morning before the game starts, or you know if after after Turkey has set in and you're getting ready to pass out, you can just plop it on and 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 relax. So um, over the rest of the weekend, Saturday, November 24th. The volleyball team is in action again at home against Oklahoma. Uh, that's at 1 p.m. That will also be on the Jayhawk Network. Uh, and so, so definitely go ahead and tune into that. And then on Sunday, the women's basketball team is playing Iona again at home, 2 p.m. on the Jayhawk Network. So if you have an opportunity to get to all of those games, definitely go ahead and do it. There is actually no action for any of the sports teams um, until Thursday of next week after that. So that will be the NCAA volleyball tournament, uh, will be on the 29th. Um, we will figure out on Sunday where the volleyball team gets to go, assuming that they do get to go. Um, they've had a few unfortunate results recently that may end up being the death of them in terms of their NCAA chances. So hopefully that that's not the case. We'll have the opportunity to, to talk about them in the NCAA tournament. Again, thank you guys for, for joining me. It's great to put these episodes out for you guys. Um, you know, we, we just recently passed the hundred mark. We're, we're definitely hoping to be able to do at least a hundred more. We do have some, some special guests that are coming up. Um, this will not be the last time that we talk about Les miles as the football coach before the next season. So be, be prepared. We'll, we'll probably break some things down as more news comes out. He hires coordinators and all that stuff. We'll definitely be talking about that. And I have, have a guest that I'm trying to get. Um, I won't, leak who it is but I, i'm trying to get a particular guest on to to give us some some inside knowledge about les miles to see what we can can learn about him um, as as a person and potentially as a coach so um, definitely stay tuned for that contact us again uh rock chalk podcast at gmail.com or on twitter at rock chalk pod uh, you know we always want your questions your comments all that fun stuff please do find us on itunes rate subscribe uh, you know, five-star rating would be great. Leave a comment. All of those things that you do help to increase the visibility of the show, get more people paying attention, and give us more more suggestions and the ability to do more with the more people we have paying attention to the show. So, uh, once again, I, I do want to thank Mike and Mike and Fetch for coming on the podcast tonight. Uh, thank you all you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.